Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we chat about Boris win against Redden. Kieran Scott's interview with the Northern Echo. We chat Boris' latest transfer news. We look ahead to Blackburn with Ollie from Rovers Chat. And always, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is our Borough Master Chatter. In a pod. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And this week, a late Matt Crooks double helped Borough get to seventh, their seventh win in eight games and move to sixth in the championship table. Seven points off the top two, we can believe. Um, but guys, what an ending uh, to yesterday's game. How are you feeling in as many words as you want? Dana, go on. You can go first. I just bloody love this Borough team. I really do. I mean, I said to you yesterday before the game, didn't I, that if we win this game, forget the Blackburn game, if we win this game against uh, Reading, then we are the real deal. Because for me, it was it was just as much down to quality as it was uh, mentality. And we had to have our mentality spot on yesterday. You look at the difference between the two sides. Nobody could have been blamed for thinking that it was going to be a route at the Riverside yesterday. Look at the position, 7th uh, versus uh, 21st before the game kicked off. Form last six games, 2nd versus 19th. XG was in Borough's favour, 4th versus 22nd. Expected goals against, the same in Borough's favour, 22nd versus 3rd. Uh, Borough beaten in 7, Reading winless in 5. It was a trap. It was a trap of a game. And I never fell into the trap of thinking it was going to be easy or straightforward. And I, I mean, to be fair, I never thought it was going to end the way that it did. But there was always that belief. And I think that's the biggest thing about Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough is that he is making the fans believe. And I genuinely believed yesterday that we were going to turn that game around. And yeah, just unbelievable scenes. The Riverside went absolutely mental. East Stand scenes, which are quite spectacular when the East Stand has limbs. So yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable for, for Dana. Tom, how are you feeling 
Oh, I mean, I, I was relieved at the end, but the, the feeling I had was quite different uh, to what Dana's just summed up there. And I think it just kind of comes down to how we've been conditioned in recent years under under past managers. Because at 1-0, as soon as that goal went in, all I was thinking of was, I called this last week on the pod and I've never been more unhappy to be right. Absolutely hated. Oh, Andy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hated yeah. Andy Carroll scoring against us and coming to celebrate in front of us. And I was like, it's going to be one of those games. They've got that. They're going to shot everyone behind the ball now, which they pretty much did. I think everyone except um, towards the end, it was everyone except Lucas Zhao, which was was back for them. Um, I just thought it's going to be one of them games. They're going to try and see it out. Then we got um, we got the goal in the 84th minute, and I was thinking. Okay, you know what? From that position, I'd have maybe accepted a point. Like it's not what I wanted from the game, and then the last minute winner, I just kind of didn't feel coming. So I think it's it's just it's a bit of a strange feeling, like with this with this Borough team in comparison to what we've had in recent years, where it had been more kind of unlike. So right, we take a point from it, and don't know. It, it's it's for for some fans, I think kind of a a change in in mentality when we're in certain positions at the moment. Um, like I said, just just from having been conditioned with some of the football we've had in the last few years. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on, Tom. I think that with the with the mindset um, point, I think it's the same players that we had under Warnock and the mentality to go into the game, try and turn it on its heads, and that belief and the desire to try and win the second ball really quickly, get on the front foot, cause problems, and like we like you've both said there, I think as soon as soon as Borough got that equaliser. You knew you knew fine well they were going to win the game, and it was so nice to see that. And we haven't had that feeling for for many for what last what five six years I think under Karanka where we thought it doesn't matter if we concede first, we'll still score probably two or three and we'll end up winning it. And it was just real relief. And I think for me we're going up, we're going up. Nothing there's nothing anyone can do to stop it from happening. Uh, we're going up, and uh, obviously I'm, I'm joking. I think there's a, there's a long way to go, but there's, are you there's, there's, Nah, my hell. Um, <laughs> I think the, 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 the development we've had from from since Wilders came in the last the ten games he's had as, as manager to win seven of them and to win them in such a way that we've we've been pretty much faultless for majority of the games. Yeah, I think yesterday was a bit off in comparison to previous games, but overall I thought we were we were brilliant uh at times and also throughout his, his reign so far. I think even that, that game we lost against Preston we probably should have won and probably against Millwall we should have won. So the, the form that we're in is absolutely fantastic. But let's let's chat about the game then been because Chris Wilde made three changes to the side that beat Blackpool on the twenty eighth of December, with Connolly Taylor and Hauser coming in for Bamba Peltier and Ornel Hernandez, who was just left for Birmingham. Um, but Tom, what's your thoughts on the changes that Chris Wilder made and how would you think Connolly fared as well, especially on his debut? Well, obviously the Hernandez one was kind of enforced, but the the other two, I think they were the the right moves. Um, you know, I think at the at the time when we played Blackpool, there was a, a lot of games all in at one point, so obviously Taylor couldn't fitness wise be uh, be risk for for most of them. But I thought he did really well yesterday. Uh, Housen, I thought never stopped moving yesterday. Um, I think that was kind of exemplified by when we're trying to play out from the back and it's going across the back line. He's constantly switching in between the channels between um, the the press and strikers yesterday. And also Connolly, I, I thought his movement was good yesterday. Um, got in a, a position for a, a couple of good chances. 
which unfortunately he didn't score. It would have been dream for him to do that in his debut. But encouraging uh, performance from him, I think. Um, and you know, the more kind of match fitness he gets, kind of going forward, uh, the better. And I'm sure he probably will take those chances because he was already in the position for him yesterday. Mm, there's, there's definitely rooms for improvement. But Dana, when new signings come in, do you think it can potentially disrupt like the balance of the team? I appreciate we seen it last year a little bit when a lot of signings came in. Middlesbrough got worse, even though the players that we brought in were probably better quality. Um, but do you think the, the balance could be disrupted with, with this side, given that we, we're probably going to bring in a couple more signings as well? It can potentially be disrupted, but it, it's about the approach of it, I suppose. I mean... I think Chris Wilder was right not to put Balogun in from the start. I quite like the fact that he started him on the bench. Obviously, there were issues with Riley McGree's registration from the MLS, so that's why he wasn't involved. But Connolly has obviously been here since, what is it, the, the 2nd of January, so he has had a lot of time to be bedded into the Chris Wilder way of playing on the training ground. And it was probably the right decision to play Connolly and to, to bench Balogun. I actually kind of want Borough to approach Balogun very similar to how we did with Patrick Bamford. I don't really expect him to be thrown straight into the starting lineup just because he's from a top Premier League team, or I say top Premier League team, just because he's from Arsenal. I'm not expecting him to be in the side straight away. So it's good that we manage his minutes and, and transition him into the team Bit by bit, I think. Mm. Although he did look think, good yesterday when he came on. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think his his technical ability is absolutely outstanding. Like, just I think there was one moment where I think it was Taylor fired a ball into him, or it might have been Tav, and he just he just cushioned it down so lovely, and then just, uh, played the ball around again. And I was like, oh, that was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> um, it's so it's so 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 good. But Tom. Do you think, right, well, Dana was probably alluding to it there, do you think Borough should be a little bit careful about bringing these players in straight away? Obviously, we can manage Balogun similar to Bamford, but obviously you've got Connolly there, you know, and you've got Riley McCree as well, who's just came in, probably more players to come. But yeah, do you think we should be a little bit more careful? Um, maybe not more careful, but I do think Wilder is already being careful. Um, something we didn't just mention there was the fact that Balogun just had COVID. Uh, I think yeah. it was actually something Wilder mentioned in his pre-match press conference that he probably wasn't going to be able to play a full game. That said, Connolly's been with us a couple of weeks and would have been in training, um, so probably deserved the start from from what he's he's done. But I do think, kind of based on what's just happened with Balogun, we're probably being careful there in terms of McGree. Um, it, I mean, it's it's difficult because as as Wilder said on Friday, uh, specifically talking about Pierre, or you need to wait until one of that midfield three becomes undroppable. And I do think McGree's kind of the the competition for Tav in that midfield three. I don't think Tav's droppable at the moment, so I, I, I don't think there's there's any way you you kind of start starting McGree from from that point on. I think he's he's going to have to kind of work his way in from from the bench and take his chance when it comes. We're going to chat about Tav in in, in a moment, but let's let's chat about the game in general then, then because. <clears throat> You said at the start of the show that it could have been a potential banana skin. All the odds were in Borough's favour and it very much could have been a banana skin when Andy Carroll headed home. Um, but what was your overall assessment of the game? Um, it was a difficult one for Borough because I think in the first half in particular, we tried to overcomplicate things and Reading sat back. They they had a, quite a low block and 
it was difficult for us to break that down. We had to be patient. I kind of knew 20 minutes into the game, it was going to be one of those. It was going to be really difficult for Boris to kind of get that golden chance, if you like. And I actually thought, in fairness to them, I know they're depleted in terms of injuries and they're playing Josh Laurent, a midfielder, a centre-half again. It was a good job that I think they did, to be fair, against Jones. Jones was guilty of maybe trying to do too much sometimes. And I think that was a theme throughout the whole of the team, to be honest. Connolly was guilty of it as well. I think Crooks was as well uh, as that. Um, but it was just a game that required patience. And in the second half, it was a weird performance from Middlesbrough because I actually thought Reading came out probably with the confidence that they'd held us to nil-nil at half-time with a little bit more confidence. And I think they came out, they they drove that confidence into their performance in the second half. And yeah, our second half performance was, it, it wasn't great, but then we just had that desire again. It's all about desire with the Chris Wilder team to get back into the game. And we got that second goal, uh, sorry, the, the equaliser. And then we got the second goal after that. And I mean, you just can't write us off of that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Tom, how would you assess things as well? Because it was like Dana was alluding to there. It was a game for for Borough that it seemed to be a bit, you know, it wasn't the the same Borough side that we've seen over the last few weeks. Um, But how would you assess things? Yeah, I think there was maybe a couple of outside factors impacting on yesterday's game. Uh, I think the fact that that, although that is arguably our strongest eleven, hasn't played together since Blackpool. Uh, obviously, there's been COVID hit the squad, and also uh, on the other side of things, there's Redden who uh, probably playing for for pride after after midweek after getting absolutely hammered by uh by Fulham and getting knocked out by Kidderminster last week uh in the FA Cup I, I do feel like that low block and and trying to kind of keep us out for for most of the first half was that they didn't want to see a repeat they wanted to be a lot stronger and and you could see that in the performance and particularly as Dan was saying in the in the second half there when they came back out they probably were buoyed by the fact that they hadn't conceded within that um within that first 45 i do think um like our, our passing and kind of pressing i think in the first half was a little bit off like say one two seconds mm, um i agree I think there were a few kind of misplaced passes. A lot of our uh, our chance creation was coming from overloads down the right-hand side, but the, the crosses weren't particularly good. And then when there were, obviously we had the, the chance with Spra, uh, which was saved by their keeper, then ricocheted back off the defender and hit the post. So I don't know how that, how that stayed out. But um, yeah, we, we seemed to control the game a lot in the first half without ever kind of really threatening because our, our chance creation was, like I said, just one or two seconds behind. And that didn't really seem to kick in until like the latter stages of the second half where we started uh, kind of becoming the uh, the borough we used to. But I think it's also kind of worth noting that um, possibly our standards have changed now over the last few games because I was looking at some, uh, some Redden perspectives on the game yesterday. And they all think, like, we actually played really well. And for us, we're kind of sat here thinking we we definitely weren't at our best. We've had performances better than that in the last few games. But, um, you know, we'd kind of expect it to be more uh, more around those levels. And I I think it kind of just goes back to what I was saying earlier about kind of being conditioned with certain things. Like, it's it's probably got to the point now where, like I say, our, our standards are higher because of how we've been playing. 
but like even when we play think playing poorly other teams still think we're playing well yeah it is it is that change isn't it i think when when you look at the borough side probably from the last eight games of one look to the last eight games or I said last 10 games or last 10 get first 10 games of, of wild there is a complete shift in performances in general i think Millersworth's performances have got a lot lot better and i think it's mainly just down to the shape the mentality the management and tactical side of things i think the difference between warnock and wilder is i think warnock was successful as a manager because he was able to get the basics right and when he got the basics right of a team and they did them very very well um you were able to kind of build momentum and then probably try and get the promotion in, in, in this type of division, but when you've got sometimes got a manager who does the basics so well and then has that tactical ability, then you've got someone who can really just flourish in this division and then flourish in this in the division above. And I think that's the reason why Warnock did really poor in, in the Premier League, because I just don't think he had that tactical ability in, in him in comparison to in in comparison to Wilder. Um but like Tom was saying there, Dana, for about sixty seven minutes, all of the possession Bora had we really struggled to break red and down at times, didn't we? Um, even though we had the one or two chance. Um, but why, why do you think that was? What, what did Redden do which made things difficult? Well, they limited space in between the lines. So I often saw, as as we usually do, uh, Andrew Sparrow kind of drop deep to receive, but there was just not really space for the pass to be on. And then they also had a four-man press when it, when whenever we were trying to build out from the back. So you saw... Andy Carroll, John Swift, uh, Tom Delibasheru and Junior Hoylet, who, again, I just always think of him being in that camera pit at QPR. I can't get it out of my head. He's just like in my head right now. He's just sliding into that camera pit. But they were trying to press whenever we uh, were trying to build up from the back. So I think they cut a lot of the passing lanes off for us. And I mean, they they were content with just kind of sitting back and they knew what they were coming to uh, with Boring in such good form. It was just a case of, I suppose, frustrating us. And they did that. And then you talk about the right-hand side and how dominant we've been down there. They doubled up on us, in fairness, down that side. But then as the game wore on, I think they wore down and they got progressively tired. I think they retreated. And I believe they've uh, lost 15 points from uh, winning positions. So they're a team that you can really get out their fragile kind of mentality. And then Borough's winning mentality, as we spoke about in the last podcast, really came to the fore yet again and... Um, yeah, it was just one of those games that required patience. And I know it's difficult because they were, you know, my patience was being tested yesterday, but I did trust them. I, I do trust this Borough team and I trust what Wild is trying to do. Um, but yeah, Reading, Reading, in fairness to them, given the fact that they've come off the back of a 7-0 Tonkin and then got beat by Kidderminster and knocked out the FA Cup, really low confidence. But I think their game plan to a degree was working. And then obviously they just sat back and and they're tired. Mm. Yeah, well, well, when I was speaking to to Matt yesterday from from the Royal podcast, he was saying that they tend to just keep sitting, going back and back and back and back, and then they just tend to cave. Like, but they've been yeah. doing that. Cons- cons- like you saying, they're down fifteen points uh, from winning positions. Just this seem to try and get that goal, and then they're just kind of like, okay, let's let's just protect it at all costs. And I think sometimes that can really hinder a side because sometimes when you're ahead. You kind of need that killer goal to, to finish games off. But then what uh, Dana was saying there, Tom, around having that low block, the deep press, the cut in the passing lanes, making things difficult. If you look at Borough's average position top of the game, we're, we're very, very advanced in, in comparison to previous weeks. Was probably just due to the amount of possession we had. Um, but tactically, 
how can Borough improve things when they play against a team like that? Because when they're going to come at the Riverside, like we see under Kranger, teams are going to sit in, they're going to make things difficult. What can Borough do tactically to try and improve on that? I think uh, it comes back to something Dana said earlier, and it's just patience. Um, I, I think, as you mentioned there, it used to happen a lot under under Karanka, and fair enough, it's a it's a different style of play. Um, but I can't remember where I, where I heard this before. I think it might have been something to do with Barcelona's style. Um, but make the opponent move, uh, move around and chase the ball and tire them out. And as it comes to the end of the game, they will be more tired, make more mistakes, and that's where you can kind of strike. I think looking back on, on that uh, promotion season, a good example of that was the game against MK Dons at home, where we didn't actually score until around the 70th minute. It was down in. But all the way through that game, like they didn't really have um, much of a much of a sniff, really, and um, it, it was just a matter of kind of making them work, tiring them out, and then getting to the point where we could pick them off. And I, I, I thought it, it was kind of similar yesterday with with and Like I said, we, we controlled the first half. Um, I think if we were sharper, uh, having not had that, uh, you know, COVID layoff. I think if if our passing was on point and not kind of a second or two behind yesterday, I do think we would have scored that first half. Um, but obviously, ultimately, we didn't. And it did kind of come down to, to Redden being more tight and making more mistakes at, at the end of the game. You know, I mean, they, they scored with pretty much their only effort. Other than that, I can't really remember them threatening that much. Yeah, I think sometimes when you have like the possession as well in a game, you're probably more likely to win the game. But when you when you do that, you try and stretch your team as well. I think when you when you have a low block as well, you try and use your width as much as you possibly can, cause the overload and try and get in behind. I think what was very interesting for Borough yesterday, and I think you've you both mentioned it, is that the average position for Borough, it was so high yesterday. It looked like when we did get the ball, we had the possession, we were trying to cause the overload on the centre-halves because obviously they were playing as a four, having two centre-halves. We were having a 1v1 in the, in the two. Then also you would just see Tav peel off just behind that half space between that the centre-back and the right-back. And then you also you'd have Crooks on the other side. And it was just really interesting because when you do have those overloads, you do create space. And then that's where your chances come. And I think both of Borough's goals yesterday came from that overload from that mid, from Crooks coming into the box, trying to make things difficult for the, the centre-back. And I think when you look at Danny Drinkwater and you look at the, the other centre-midfield, then you, you look at their positions for both goals. I think it's really poor on them there. I think they'd be disappointed with that. But for, for 68 minutes, Tom, uh, when Andy Carroll headed home and scored off Redden's only shot on target um, from the game so far, it disappointed in the way we've conceded there. Was, do you think it was just uh, Middlesbrough were pushing so many bodies forward, they're left in the space and behind and they allowed Redden to break and, and score from us? But can you think we can improve on that defensive, on that, on that error, really? Yeah, I mean, the disappointing thing is, if well, last week when I said it's nailed on, Andy Carroll's going to score and it's going to be 1-0. Oh, yeah. That's exactly the way I imagined him scoring. <laughs> just, just looping either like that. Um, the the only kind of disappointment for me from that was the fact that Fry had kept him quiet the entire game. I thought aerially uh, and, and, you know, physically as well, Fry was a match for him and, and more. Um you know, even when Carroll was winning uh, aerial duels, they weren't really kind of going anywhere. And I think that says a, a lot about how good Fry was playing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the guy Carroll out jumped for for that header was McNair. So, um, you know, obviously the the only kind of uh, 
change I would have liked in that situation would be Fry to Mark Carroll because I don't think that that goal would have would have happened in that scenario. Um, but then, of course, it kind of just goes back to the the man marking and just kind of find a a way to make that work against a team that has such an aerial threat as Carroll. I don't think it would work kind of as Warnock was using it, where everyone marks everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have much preferred Fry to be the one marking him yesterday because I don't think he'd have scored. Hmm. Yeah, it's just like such a typical Andy Carroll goal as well, wasn't it? Like you were saying there, like, yeah, I think I think the disappointment is probably Fry. Obviously, losing it, but it's a lo- I think it's a lovely, lovely header. I don't think Lumley has a chance really on that. I think just no. the way he's just looped it over, I think it's it's a great header. Um, and it was celebrating in the East Stand, giving it the big one, Dana. Um, to the family then, stand, the family. The family. No, it, it was where I was sat, and I absolutely hated him. <laughs> Tom, the uh, family stand and... ultra. <laughs> <laughs> but he did leave, he did leave a pound on his face, though, Dana, because Crooks scoring a header, Tav mm-hmm. finally getting an assist as well. Um, we chat a lot about stats versus contribution, but it's been coming, hasn't it? Marcus Tavernier finally getting an assist for you. Yeah, finally. I mean, there's a goal contribution. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, Tav has has got that in his locker. You know, he's got that delivery in him. And to be fair, he's had a few teasers under Chris Wilder. It's just that nobody seems to gamble on it. And I mean, thank God for Matt Crooks, because how many times have I been defending Tav on this podcast he finally comes up with an assist well we'll actually say there's there's a point of note that I found quite interesting Tav's actually uh the second ranked player for expected goals in our team per info goal he's five point uh sorry five five point four point five nine xg from 51 shots so it might be a case of just the accumulation of shots is uh, elevating that expected goals ranking there but He's got an assist now. He's got that goal contribution. Massive for his confidence that he played a big, big part in the comeback. My question is, is there a goal coming? Because I, I feel like there is. He gets into some good positions. Honestly, you watch him. You, he gets into some good positions on the edge of the box. If he can improve his shooting, which is a massive if, then I think Marcus Tavernier will score very, very soon. Do you want to put a bit on that? Monday? No. <laughs> no. I'll I'll not do that actually. But um yeah, it's probably not, probably a good thing I'm not a betting person, isn't it? Well, you never know. I get what I'll give you some odds for it if you want. Give you some odds and then we'll we'll start um, we'll start betting on it. Um but I think we've with Tav and we'll we'll chat about him probably a little bit later on. Um but he's an interesting player, isn't he, Tav? Because a lot of fans are wanting him on that left hand side. Do you think he's that central player or do you think he's a wide player, Dan? What what would you prefer Tav to be in? Yeah, we've got a question very similar to this from Liam. And for me, I think he's a central player, but out wide, he's definitely somebody that can do a job. I'm just not sure that it would get the best out of him. I think his future is central midfield because um, I just think he's got that drive. He's got that great balance that a Chris Wilder team needs. And there's no, it's no wonder to me that he is in the team and has been consistently because he's got such good energy and drive. And he's Chris Wilder said it after the game yesterday that he thinks he's a top player. He just needs that that ball to roll and, and it has now with that assist. So hopefully we can see a lot more from him. But for me, I would I would I would keep him uh in central midfield. 
or the case closed. I think the only way I think when you play when the way he plays as well, I think where where he's on that left. If he played on that left hand side, he'd have all of the attributes of a left wing back of getting up and down the pitch, causing problems. But like you were saying, the delivery this is probably his main issue. Tav flourishes yeah. playing that little central place, cutting in on his left foot, and then trying to play that through ball. I think that's where he flourishes. So I think that's where he should probably stay under Chris Wilder. But it was interesting yesterday because. Piero was on the bench. Borough were looking for a bit more of create, a bit more looking for someone or a spark to try and get Borough uh, through the Redden defence. Um, Tommy, are you surprised that Borough didn't didn't bring on Piero yesterday? I mean, I appreciate it did work for a while and not to bring him on, but are you surprised that we didn't we didn't even look to 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 bring him on, especially for when Housen got took off? In in hindsight, I'm not surprised, but at the time, I honestly thought he was going to be brought on. He was warming up. Uh, for, for a fair amount of time within that second half. I saw him go down the tunnel, come back out, and he was still warming up. I thought, Piero's coming on here. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad this didn't happen, but I thought he was going to come on for Crooks because I, I didn't think... Like I said, the, the passing was one or two seconds behind yesterday, and I, I thought that link-up between Jones and Crooks on the right-hand side was just a little bit off at times. They were... They weren't reading what each other were doing as well as they were in other, in other games. Uh, and I, I thought I can definitely see Piero coming on for Crooks here and, and us trying to go for it. But obviously, we didn't go for that in the end. We weren't for the uh, the Steve McLaren tactic of put all the strikers on. And it, it worked. So <laughs> love a last-minute winner from that Steve McLaren tactic. So, um, yeah, like, like I say, in, in hindsight, not surprised. But at the time, I, I was very surprised when Corburn was the last substitution. I'm getting the captain's armband too. Oh, Re- really, most you know, inspiring how- tactic and uh, uh, most like, inspiring captain in our history for that couple <laughs> <laughs> minutes. Forget Southgate. Forget Southgate lifting the trophy. Man. That was peak Middlesbrough right there when Corbin came on. <laughs> Love it. It's like, you know, it's, like, it's like Thor with his hammer. Like just, just like when he came on the captain's armband, the ball just started flying at the net. Just like that was power. Why he shouted, "Bring me Thanos." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we did have a question about Piero Dana because Jack and Sam both messages are out in and said how do you fit Piero into this side or do you think he should be or do you think he should be in the side more often and why we why I'm not seeing more of Piero uh, the case of Martin Piero Dana why, why isn't he in the squad why isn't he playing well simply put Matt Crooks is performing incredibly well at the moment. I think you can make a case for Matt Crooks to be our player of the season so far. I certainly think it's between him and Isaiah Jones. So the way that I look at it, McGree is the competition for Marcus Tavernier and Martin Piero is the competition for Matt Crooks. There's a lot of people that question why isn't he being on the right, uh, sorry, on the left, because he did play on the left whilst Crooks played on the right when they had that partnership together. But the way that Chris Wilder has spoken, and I'm not going crazy talking so much about left footers and right footers. He mentioned it again yesterday after the match about the balance of the team and having left footers on that side and right footers on their respective side as well. So it's all about if, if Crooks drops absolute zero out of 10, then he probably comes into the team. But even if he does, I still don't think that Crooks is out of that side because he's a goal threat and you know that he's a goal threat. There's potential goal threat in Piero, of course. He's already scored this season, but I think you know it more so with Crooks, don't you? And I mean, Crooks is, is, has been fantastic this season. It was actually, I think it just sums up uh, Martin Piero's uh, look at the moment because I actually thought Crooks was poor for about 80 minutes of that game before 
he scored and then he ends the game with a brace that has won us the match. So, I mean, there could have been a case for could Crooks be dropped for the next game. I mean, I, I don't think so, but still, there, there could have been a question of it, of maybe rotation for that Blackburn game. Because, that, as I said, I don't think Crooks was great uh, yesterday until he scored, but you absolutely can't drop him after after that yesterday. I don't think you can either. Um, I think when you were saying uh, saying there about the left footers and the right footers as well, I think they also when you, when you when we talk about that as well, I think it's about rotation as well. Where if if Taylor comes comes up the pitch, you tend to see Tav drop in on that left wing back role, or like it's like vice mm. versa with them both. I think the only thing that we don't have is that left footed centre back, which would probably fit in really really nice. But obviously McNair's playing so well at the moment. You know, you, you can kind of get away with it, but it'd be nice to have that left and the right dropping in the rotations and making things difficult for for the sides. Um, but the second goal, Tom, wonderful play from uh, Isaiah Jones. Crooks again with the header. Atmosphere absolutely erupted. Seven wins in eight in all competitions. <sighs> Confidence. What else does it bring to this side? Because the run of farm borough at the moment is absolutely fantastic, isn't it? I think you just said it there. It's confidence. Um, when I got back to the back of the car yesterday and just switched on the switched on the radio, like eagerly waiting to hear what people were saying about this, uh, it was. It was I got their mid interview with Crooks and he was talking about it and he was just kind of saying it, it does bring us confidence. It, it kind of breeds into that mentality where you know the whole team knows that they can come back from these positions and I, I bet they're probably feeling unbeatable at the moment. Um, I think it just it it's probably such a good kind of uh, dressing room to be in, uh, just for that level of confidence and 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 that winning mentality at the moment. So let's move on to the praise and place then, because the praise and place is our place where we love to praise Borough players. That is an absolute mouthful, isn't it, to say that? Um, but guys, who gets your praise and player this week, or players, or coaching staff this week? Uh, Dana, who who are you going to praise? I have to say Tav. I thought Tav yeah. yesterday. I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch for us. Obviously, the game overall was difficult for Borra. I don't think there are a lot of top, top performances, but Tav had the typical drive that we expect from him, the typical dogged performance of, of balance between attacking and defending. He got stuck in on a, numerous uh, occasions, tracking back, being aggressive in the, in the press and trying to win the ball back. But also... I mean, he was a man possessed from that point in the game where we were trying to get back into it and we just had that drive and and that hunger to turn the game around. And a big part of that came from Tav. And to be fair, his deliveries, there were a few deliveries before the one that actually resulted in the goal that were decent. And it kind of felt, okay, you've got to get one of these right at some point. Oh, not right, because I think they were good deliveries, but someone has to get their head on one of these, and thankfully Crooks did. I just, I mean, there's a lot of people that just want to have out the team and, and can't wait to see him on the bench, but he is so integral to what we do, and he's my mate. He's, he is a bit of a scapegoat, and I do understand some of the, the criticisms of him, because one thing that he's been guilty of is maybe overdoing it sometimes, and particularly in the Millwall game, there was a point where he tried to overplay in our own half. And the way that we play with the overlapping centre-halves and, and the underlapping centre-halves, you are kind of running the risk of, of getting caught on a very dangerous counter-attack if, if you lose the ball in your own half. But what Tav has done and what I've noticed, he's simplifying his game and he kept things ticking over yesterday between him and, and Neil Taylor and Aaron Connolly. 
and I just thought he was I just thought he was good yesterday and um yeah I, I rate Tav maybe I've got a bit of a blind spot with Tav because th- there is a lot of criticism towards him but I thought he was good yesterday and, and I think he deserves uh, his due credit Perfect. Um, so Tav for Dana. Tom, who are you going to go for? Well, I've actually got three. I, I understand I'm putting five fingers up there, but I can't put these three down. Three <laughs> uh, from yesterday. Tav, Tav being one of them. Um, yeah, I, I thought I agree with everything Dana said there, um, but also just want to kind of give a, a shout out for something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago as well, his physical work. I, I think he's getting better at that. Gave a few fouls away yesterday, which I think was probably Redden players playing for us, if I'm being honest, because he was he was extremely annoyed at the fouls given away, and I can understand why, because they were extremely soft. But uh, I thought he was doing that very effectively yesterday, and that and that delivery for the first goal, I'd probably go so far as saying like down in esque with the the cross, because he kind of just like stabbed at the underside of the ball and just it ended up with the just the right amount of loft and you know not too much speed on it for uh, for crooks to get his head on it and, and kind of power that towards goal. Uh secondly, Neil Taylor. I thought he did play well yesterday and I think some of his his range of passing it it's a lot different to to what bowler offers in that uh, in that spot and I'm specific uh, specifically talking about like uh where he's kind of playing passes with the outside of his boot, like just to get around the corner from from certain areas. Um, I thought his link-up play with Tav and with Connolly was was very good yesterday. And also Lumley, uh, which I understand might get kind of uh, some kind of skeptic, uh, skepticism from some people, but I think it is very clear that he's working on his distribution. Um, it didn't come off so much yesterday, but you can see it. He's, he's constantly looking when he collects the ball to get it out as quick as possible and kind of hit them on the break. And I think it's obvious he's been working on his kicking because it's a lot more accurate off the floor. And when when he is trying to play it out quickly, he's he's developed this kind of long flat kick, um, which I think when that comes off right, that's going to be very effective for us. It didn't yesterday on the examples I remember because I think it was Connolly first half kind of ran the opposite direction from where the kick was aimed, even though he was running that way first. Um, but I think had that come off, that that could have resulted in um, you know chance creation uh, just from where that was headed. Um, so I think it's obvious that that work's going into it there and fair play. I think he's doing it well. I just want to shout out Dill Fry for a second there as yeah. well, because as what uh, Tom said earlier, I thought he did really, really well. <clears throat> excuse me, up against um, Andy Carroll. And yeah, I thought Dilfry was was magnificent, really physical as he needed to be. And that's been a criticism of Dilfry in the past, that he's been maybe a little bit white, uh, white <laughs> lightweight. I can't speak to uh, A little bit lightweight and um, a little bit weak almost. But I thought he was fantastic yesterday. And, and to be fair, his performances just keep getting gradually better and better. So Fry and Tab for you, Dana. Um, tab Taylor. It's it's what it sounds like. It sounds like it sounds like a like a butter company. Do you know what I mean? Like a spread, like a spreadable brand. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? It's actually yeah. It's on toast. Um, (laughs) Tab Taylor and lovely for you, Tom. I'm gonna go with Anthony Dyke Steele again, right? And honestly, you could. He's so safe. He's like a house on a pitch, like. I know, like, Isaiah Jones will get all the plaudits, and rightly so, but I think he's only 
so good and uh, so dangerous. I think it's because of Anthony Dyke still behind him. I think when he's Dice, his positional so good, the way it brings the ball out, he has quiet games, but he's just so consistent. And it's just like it's it's so good to watch. I think like like I was saying, like I think Jones probably is so happy that he has Dyke still with him because I think if there's any other centre back, or you could probably put McNair in there, but any other centre back, I feel like you probably wouldn't as far as much as because he has to do more defensive work, and I don't think he has to now because Dyke's still so safe there. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's like th- three weeks in a row, but Dyke steals most prison place, maybe I don't know, but maybe uh, he's he's been absolutely brilliant, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if he if if teams are watching him as well because he's been brilliant. Um, but let's. Let's move on. Um, let's chat about look at let's chat about the news of the week. And Kieran Scott spoke to Scott Wilson at the Northern Echo to explain his role in more detail. Um, it's the first time we've seen uh, someone from the club come out and explain this new project that Millsborough are building. Um, Dana, are you happy that he's, he's come out and communicated his role and his vision for Borough? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a good article, to be fair, because it, it was a good insight into what he does and the clarity, I guess. It's just all about clarity, really, isn't it? And and communicating direct lines with, with the fans because the fans naturally have an interest in appointments like that, especially given that it's the first that we've done of, of a head of football. We've never had a head of football before. So it's good that we've we've heard from him now. And there were some good bits to, to take out from that, that article, um, talking about how obviously he's the last, kind of one of the last pots of call for, for the recruitment work. They're in the process of hiring a new head of recruitment, which we believe is Andy Scott. Um, that his first role at the club was to identify a new manager, Pua Neil Warnock. Um, and yeah, there was, there was some good bits, good bits from that. And he was massive in bringing Chris Wilder into the club. And thank you to him for that, because Chris Wilder is a bloody good manager. Yeah, it, it's, it was interesting to see him say as well around building a, a nucleus on and off the field. Mm. It's, is it refreshing to see like Borough move in this direction because previously under, under previous regimes that it's just been a lot of ins, a lot of outs, and sometimes the players have stick, stuck around, but the staff turnover has been quite poor. Um, do you think it's refreshing to see Borough like, have that more of a stable, progressive future that we, we've always wanted? Yeah, hundred percent. It's about keeping consistency and, and longevity, even through change, and that's all we've really wanted. I think you've spoken about it, Johnny, in a few of your blogs about having that consistency in playing style and Brighton have it um, with their head of football. Where if if Graham Potter leaves, then the next manager that, that comes in will almost have a seamless transition into that hot seat because everything behind the scenes will be set up for him so it's what we've really wanted for a long time it's the sustainability of the club I suppose not this constant chopping and changing of coaching staff the turnover of players to be fair we are seeing that now with with Uche leaving not long after he's joined but hopefully after that now that that Kieran Scott is is in we can see more more long-term or mid-to-long-term vision in mind rather than just, right, this is who we've got. We don't want him anymore. Get rid of him. Bring someone else in. Completely different style of play. Because that's what we've been guilty of. We've we've had managers that are a little bit naive. Then we've had experience. Then we've had inexperience. Then we've had experience. And it's it's kind of like an identity crisis to a degree. And, and we don't want an identity crisis, Middlesbrough. We want a Middlesbrough that know what they want, that will get what they want because they have that long-term vision and identity in place. 
Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely. It all comes down to that new Middlesbrough, the five pillars of projects, and when that all fits, you see the the success on the pitch, and I think that's what we're seeing, especially now with the way that Middlesbrough are currently performing. And like I was saying, I've said in the blogs previously, I think probably about three years, you'll probably see the real fruits of it, to be honest, because Chris Wilder might move on in three years, the new manager will come in, you'll have that seamless transition, but also you'll have a project which is already getting built in a sustainable model that Middlesbrough will have, will be really successful, um, and hopefully we can see that more success in years to come. But you were saying there, Dana, about signings and people coming in and people going out, and Uche is obviously being made for a transfer. We'll come on that just, just shortly. But, Tom, it was interesting to see uh, Kieran Scott mention about free agents in the summer. Do you think that could indicate why Borough are using the loan market quite a lot in this window? Because, you know, the strikers right now, we've got, th- I think we've got Connolly, uh, Balogun and Sparra all on loan, of course, and we'll only have one forward uh, in, in the summer. Um, but is that? Do you think that's the reason why Bora are doing that at the moment? Because to to try and get cheaper players in, in in the summer, be a bit more financially savvy. Well, we'll actually have two forwards in the summer, and I made this mistake again earlier in the week when uh, when it went to you guys about it. But it's actually Akpom. Forgot he existed, oh, yeah. but he is still contracted to us. So you know, <laughs> potentially he might fit into Wilder's system, but who knows? Um, you know, maybe he'll just stay in Greece, but. I, I do think um, when the uh, when the free agent list was mentioned in that interview, and you know Kevin Scott was saying it's the best free agent list he's he's seen in a long time in football. I do think that's probably what what we're looking for uh, with, with the strikers. Like you say, we've got three on loan strikers. You know, if we go up, fingers crossed, uh, Sparrow will be permanent. Um, but then we, we've still got more strikers to replace, and I think looking at that free agent list. I think there's a reason he mentioned it, and I, I don't think it's just strikers that we'll be looking at for that. I think, in in terms of quality, you know, I, I trust when when Kieran Scott says it is one of the best free agent lists he's he's seen because you know he's worked in recruitment for for a long time, and I'm I'm sure whoever we got our eye on for for the end of the season, um, works probably already going on into that. Mm, there's that, there's plenty of options, Don. Um, but let's talk about transfers because. Wilder did reveal um, that Marcus Brown, Uche, Saliki and Hernandez were all made available for, for transfer or, or, or leaving the club. Um, appreciate Saliki is on loan and will look to leave. And Hernandez has already left with, with Birmingham. So, Danny, were you surprised to see Hernandez go at all? I mean, given that he was kind of a player that really didn't... Well, he did fit Boris system at times because he was playing up front, wing back, he played pretty much everywhere. Um, but do you think it was the best for the club to, to move Hernandez on? Yeah, I think Chris Wilder said that he's on a decent wage and we probably don't want to be paying somebody to be a square peg around the hole. And that, that it did feel like Onel Hernandez was that. In fairness, I actually quite liked him up front. I thought his application was good. He was obviously, he's a quick player, so he was pressing. He was making sure that he was running beside the centre halves and causing them problems. But yeah, it never really fit, did he? I think we he did play right wing back and Jacob from Canary Cast, when we signed him, he did a, a nice video basically detailing what Borough fans can expect. And he did mention that Hernandez has played right wing back before. He played right wing back in that Huddersfield game. And to be fair, he was probably at fault for the goal that we did concede in that match. But 
probably nitpicky for myself there. But you know what? I actually quite liked um, Hernandez in the end. I did warm to him. I know I mentioned on a few occasions that he was doing my tits in, but that's not his legacy anymore. I think his legacy at Borough will be the iconic shirt off celebrations, the offside goal, the offside goal celebration with Yusuf in the South Stand. I think he, his application was fantastic. His attitude was fantastic on the pitch. And, and yeah, wish him all the best at Birmingham, but just not when uh, we play them at uh, St Andrews. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom Brown and Uche all being all being made available um, in the market. But couldn't you see them moving maybe permanently? Do you think permanent is probably the best move for them both? Probably, yeah. I, I think uh, Wilder said it the other day about Uche. Um, you know, in an, in another system, he, he'd do really well, and his application, his attitude, brilliant and stuff. But he was going to get very limited playing time here. So, for the good of his career, it's probably best that he does go on a permanent, or if that's not possible this window, at least go on a loan to kind of put yourself in the shop window by playing more regular football. Uh, Marcus Brown, I think it's a bit of a bit of a shame for him, con- considering the time he's had at Borough with the the injury, just as he was starting to play well. But he's another one who I think probably doesn't fit this system, unless he fancies trying to transition into a wing back. Um, but uh, by the sounds of it, I don't think kind of Wilder thinks he might be able to do that. So. Um, yeah, I think for both of them, for for the good of their careers, uh, it would be best if they went permanently. Obviously, Tom with Cocolo leaving as well in on a permanent deal at Burton. Could you see maybe any more going as well? Um, I don't think so. Uh, un- unless we're, we're talking about kind of any of the players who were already out on loan, if those clubs kind of want to make it permanent, uh, you know, you've got the likes of Akpom, Wing. Uh, now obviously Spence there's been I think come out in the last week saying we're, we're holding on for about 10 mil in the summer which would be great um, but yeah I, I can't really kind of see too many other than the ones who were mentioned leaving mm, Plenty of Manjaro's Palmos for 10 million pounds isn't it so um, <laughs> but there there was one player that did come in this week as well um, who we haven't mentioned previously it's Ryan McGree and he coming from Charlotte uh, FC in the MLS, and he was on loan, of course, at Birmingham earlier in the season. But Dana, Celtic did us a lot of favours early in the week because they gave us a nice 23-tweet thread of uh, Ryan McGree <laughs> to see what we uh, we need to expect from him. But what do you think we should see from uh, from Ryan McGree? What can we expect? From what I've read, somebody that is very similar to Tav in the sense of good defensive work, good energy, um, good technically good ball carrying um but I think the difference between the two of them is that McGree seems to have better shooting I mean to be fair I probably have better shooting than Tav <laughs> um, and you should have seen me in foot golf I was absolutely terrible but I think McGree is somebody that obviously has potential in him uh we're talking about uh assets I think Chris Wilder was talking about assets and he definitely seems like like one of them and um, we were talking to Blues Breakdown about him and and they said that um, in terms of playing style, he's good technically, um, excellent ball carrying, can operate in tight spaces, lovely feet in a sweet left peg, um, not overly creative, probably seeing more as an advanced eight than a true number 10, somebody that will drive the side of the pitch, but not one who's going to unlock the door. So from that, I take from that that he's probably not going to be one that racks up the assists. He'll probably end up scoring more goals than he does uh, assists. But somebody that I think is definitely going to transition Borough 
through the middle third to the final third and, and not necessarily be the one to, as Blues Breakdown put it, unlock the door, but maybe is the, the one that starts the move, not necessarily the one that, mm. that makes the pass that kind of breaks through uh, a defence. But yeah, excellent athlete, always moving, decent pace, um, happy to do the defensive side uh, and an all-round team player. And then crucially as well, he is left-footed. And Chris Wilder did mention yesterday that he wants more left footers. So massive tick on the box. It was a, quite a point of entertainment seeing the Celtic fans fume about it. But in and amongst all of their rage, they did forget whilst they were calling it an un- unambitious move that we do have the potential of playing in the Premier League next season, which is what Riley McGree said that is obviously mm. decided the move, essentially. So... So, yeah, a big carrot dangled um, in the face of Riley McGree there. And, and thankfully, we've got him on board. Yeah, well, obviously, Chris Wilder saying that he wants a lot of left backs. I might put my CV in. Oh, like left footers, because, you know... <laughs> oh, I'm you a... are left footed, yeah. I am. I yeah. am a lefty. So, I mean, Chris, if you're watching, I am available. I've got a terrible <laughs> injury record. Um, but, and then really fuck knees. But anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll still sign. Um, <laughs> Tom... Jack uh, sent us a, a message, uh, and he said about about McCree, and he said about that left wing back spot uh, because Wilder did mention as well that he could potentially play there, and he's really happy with that midfield three. Could you see him maybe move to that to that left wing back for all as well? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that. I'm not kind of sure how many times he's played left wing back in the past, but I I think. As Dana said earlier, uh, he is likely the competition for Tav in that uh, left of the midfield three spot. I think if he was to play left wing back, it would be if we were having a bit of a crisis there and we didn't have Bowler or Taylor. Uh, he, he could potentially kind of slot in there and do the George Savile role of a centre mid doing a left wing back <laughs> spot. But uh, I, I think he's been signed with an eye on putting him in the left of that midfield three and, and being the competition for Tav. Mm. Well, it could have that George Savile role of, of left wing back if if need be, isn't it? So it's kind of like that position. But let's look ahead to, to Monday now then, because Borough's next fixture is against Tony Mowbray's high-flying Blackburn Rovers, who are top of the form charts uh, just above us. Um, so to understand a little bit more about the opposition, we asked Ollie from the Rovers Chat Podcast uh, to give us a bit more insight on Blackburn Rovers. Hello, Middlesbrough fans. Hello, everyone at the Borough Breakdown. I hope you are all... Well, um, I'm Ollie Walker-Peel and hoping to provide a bit of insight for you on Blackburn Rovers. It's been an immense season for us so far. Um, but before I start, I would like to thank Johnny um, and everyone at the Borough Breakdown for having me on. Just like the reverse fixture, it's great to be on the podcast um, as always. So let's have a look at Rovers then this season. We've been absolutely unbelievable after that Fulham loss. Obviously, we were much talked about. Um, you know, There was talk, especially in our fan base, that Tony Mowbray wasn't the right man to uh, to take us forward as a football club. Um, and how were we proven wrong? We have been unbelievable since that game. Unbeaten in the league since that um, Fulham game. Obviously, we did lose in the Cup to Wigan, uh, but we're not reading too much into that. And I'm recording this just after we've beaten Cardiff. Um, so we do have a game in between that and Middlesbrough. We've got Hull. So hopefully our unbeaten run is still intact by the time we play Middlesbrough. Um, but we have been absolutely unbelievable third in the league at the moment putting pressure on the top two to keep winning games um it's been an unbelievable run um and hopefully it continues um after or, or at and well after the borough game uh, from a rover's point of view in terms of key players to look out for if you are a borough fan of course everyone's going to be looking at ben brayton diaz so i'm going to mention him but i'm not going to talk about him too much in depth because that's a boring answer and i want to give you something that maybe um you know 
maybe a bit, little bit left field. But for me, uh, John Buckley is an unbelievable footballer, underrated, um, and he's absolutely quality. Perhaps wasn't at his best against Cardiff, but when he's on song, you'll know about it. One of the most underrated players in the in the league. Um, I could mention about the whole team for Rovers. Joe Rothwell was another one. Again, not much happened in the Cardiff game, but one moment of magic, a wonderful run, and a curling finish that. Um, went beyond the uh, Cardiff goalkeeper and put us 1-0 up. Um, and that was the ultimate deciding factor. Uh, so we've got players on every single line that can that can do things. Uh, so it's it's more of... it's <laughs> The question is more who not to watch because any of our players can hurt you and it's looking good um, from a Rovers point of view. At that point, uh, transfers... Oh, both sides have done some really good business. I'm actually really liking what Borough have done. Um, obviously, being based in Australia, there's been a lot of talk about Riley McGree. Um, a lot of a lot of fans thought that he would go to Celtic, but I actually think the Borough moves a better move for him. I think Borough obviously fight for promotion, massive club, so I think that's going to work out well for Riley McGree, and I think you're going to get a lot out of him. So I think that's a really good deal. Um, also impressed with the Florian Balogun signing from Arsenal. Um, so I think Borough have done some really really good business in terms of ours. We've signed Dave Alcioso Falk, who's a right back from Hertha Berlin, who I'm really happy with. Um, we're rumoured to sign Dylan Markande from Tottenham. That one looks far down the line. Who's obviously competed against Balogun in the PL2 this season. Uh, so that would be a good sign if we can get him over the line for that Borough game. Um, and we've also signed James Brown, who's a right back from uh, from Republic of Ireland. Ryan Diambe is suspended. Um, in fact, will be back for the um, for the Borough game because he's suspended for the um, for the game against Hull. But I mean, he could he could be back. I don't know. There's rumours that he's off as well out the door. So interesting to see what happens at right back. Um, but that's, I think, that's maybe a discussion for another day. In terms of predictions, we are good at home. We're the best home side in the league. So as good a team as Borough are, I can see us getting this one done just about. It'll be one of our toughest tests at Ewood. Borough are a top side, but I think we can get the job done, I'm going to say. 2-1 Rovers. Um, of course, uh, thanks again to uh, to Johnny and the rest at the Borough Breakdown for having me on. Much appreciated and hope you're all well. Cheers. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thanks for that, Ollie. Oh, we've done a little shake on, on our, on our <laughs> little video the stream. The stream kicked me out. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that, Ollie. Um, 2-1 to Blackburn Rovers and John Buckley and Ben Brown and Diaz, the two players to watch out for. How are you feeling about this game, guys? Because it's going to be a really, really tough game, isn't it, Tom? You know, the form side in the league, you know, top of the home home form home form chart as well. It's going to be really difficult, isn't it? It is. I think it's going to be our our toughest test so far under Wilder. And, you know, we've, we've had a few tough tests so far and we've come through them. So I, I think if we can come out of this with three points, there's no one in this league we can't beat, regardless of form that we're there on. Um, that being said, obviously we're all going. Um, and... If thinking back on the times I've been to Ewood Park, I like I don't want to jinx us. Every but time, every time great. we've been, Tom, we yeah, every time we've been together, Tom, we've got beat. So I, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be a difficult one. I mean, I, I've been in the um, I've, I've been one of the boxes at Ewood Park for a couple of games, uh, and there was one in the Premier League where it was it probably should have been called off because there was like pools of water all over the pitch. Schwarzer actually slid out the box at one point, uh, and then there was did the, he do a Sol Campbell? Just kept sliding. Pretty much, yeah. He slid out to get the ball and then just kept going. Um, <laughs> and then there was another one where uh, it was the Karajol and Jukovic show and we actually won that one. So ho- hopefully it'll just be a repeat of that one. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Dana, how are you feeling about it as well? Yeah, a bit fearful. Um, well, actually... I say that, but should we fear any team in this league? I mean, you see the mentality that we've got at the moment and we are just riding the crest of a wave and it's unbelievable to to be a part of that and to see more grow and progress and to become this really confident side. And I have trust in this team, I really do. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, as Tom said, we are going. Um, the last time that I went to Ewood Park, I had a nosebleed <laughs> and we were late for this late to the stadium, so that was nice. Um, but hopefully, I'm having a nosebleed because we've won and someone's elbowed me in the face amid some celebrations. Um, but yeah, um, there's there's confidence but wariness in this game. I think. We can make that nosebleed happen at the more breakdown. Uh, <laughs> It'll we because we sat so far up. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. I mean, I'll pack some tissues in the, in the car you know, just in case I have that nosebleed on the, cool, on the way Because I didn't there. have any tissues last time and I had to wipe it with, like, I don't know, someone's burger ah. packet thing. Oh, I thought you, you wiped, oh, wiped the nose. Yeah, I just got, like, someone's burger. Give us that a <laughs> Yeah, well, there you are. Choose that as the sauce. It'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so what's your predictions then? Because it's going to be a really tough test. And I think if you win this game, you, it, it's absolutely a hundred percent, definitely cemented on uh, that we could be competing for the top two or even for the playoffs. Um, but Tom, what's your predictions for the game against Blackburn? You know, what? I'm going to go with a really optimistic one here, and it's not actually based on anything other than you know, like a a dream really but uh i i reckon it's going to be like that uh that brighton game in our promotion season 
where mm-hmm. both teams are coming in with really good form and we're the ones who come out with it with a big win. So I'm going to go 2 0 Borough. 2 0 Borough for, for Tom. Uh, Dana, what are you going to go for? You know what? I'm going to echo Tom's prediction there. I'm going to say 2 0 Millsborough as well. I might have to look into Tony Mowbray's form. Uh, against Millsborough as an opposition manager because it could well be his um, Achilles heel coming up against us. I'm not sure I might have completely got that wrong, but yeah, I think 2-0 for me. 2-0 Borough. Okay, 2-0. Um, I mean, if it if it was, then it would make sense because, you know, Borough born and bred. Like, mm. you know, it might just... Just give likes us the win, what... Tony. You know you want yeah. to. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, like what what's what's the one defeat between friends? You know, like what's what's that? Like, um, but I'm gonna go with one all. I think I think it's gonna be really difficult to stop uh, Blackburn from scoring. I think they've been so so good offensively, and you know the form of his life, Ben Burton Diaz. Since he got Diaz on the end of his name, he's just like leveled up, and he like he's got like five star weak foot now, and you know. Yeah. 92 finishing on FIFA. <laughs> He's just absolutely flying, isn't he? He's um, had to a Gyarados, hasn't he? He's had that yeah. super evolution. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely levelled up, just levelled up. Uh, but I'm going to go one all. I think I think it's, it's going to be a draw written all over it. But if we put a good performance in, it'll only give us more confidence that we're going to be competing for the for the top places this season. Um, but let's move to questions then, because um, every week we ask you guys to send us in questions from either on email at the, 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 the board breakdown or hotmail.com or on Twitter, um, and that's at the board underscore breakdown. <clears throat> but you can message us on Facebook too, um, and we've got a question uh, a quote at the end from Andrew Lutfair, which we'll leave you leave on. Uh, but the question is from Charlie. He says, how, how worried should we be with the EFL wanting to scrutinise our finances? Should Gibson leave if he goes against FFP after such an advocate of it? Um, Tom, what's your thoughts? Because it was an interesting article that came out about Boris potential finances and scrutinising. Do you think there's much substance to it at all? I'd be interested to know what they're basing it off because uh, in Wilder's press conference the other day, he seemed to think it was a load of rubbish. Um, and to be honest, I feel like it would be as well because as, as we as it was said in the question there, Gibson's been such an advocate of FFP, obviously, where he, he's kind of like chasing... Well, he's chased Derby quite a lot of it. don't know what the, the current court case is specifically uh, about, but... I don't think he would go against it. Um, and obviously, if he had, um, <laughs> leave and be replaced by him. Like, I'm fully confident that whatever Gibson does is in the best interest of the club. Um, I don't think he'd go against FFB for that. Okay, fair enough. Case closed. Um, next question is from Borashot, and it says, given that Johnny Howson is... In, in the autumn of his career and he's out of contract in the summer, of course. Is Matt Crooks a future Borough captain, Dana? Do you want to take this one? Yeah, I can see why that question has been raised. But for me, I think sometimes it can be a little bit of a of a weight on a player's shoulder. And I just love the freedom that Matt Crooks has at the moment in his performances. And I wouldn't really want to jeopardise that. But I could definitely see in terms of his personality, his, his overall likability, um, why that is a question but for me I no I see I don't know what it is with I don't know whether anybody agrees with this but captains for me should either be a a defensive midfielder or a centre half or a goalkeeper I don't know what it is but I just they're the three that I feel comfortable with with being captain potentially a, a central midfielder but not not Matt Crooks for me 
It'd be a bit harsh on Corburn if he didn't get it after. Mm. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Led the line, you know, so well. It's, he created chances, and like I said, like he was like Thor with it with his hammer, and just it just signaled a goal straight away, and it was that easy, wasn't it? So it must be easy being a captain for Josh Corburn. Eh? It must be easy. Some people. Uh, but the, the last question of the day, um, and we got this from so many people this week. It must be about fa- quite a lot in our in our messages saying, "Does Borough admin deserve a place?" on the island um now millsborough's behavior on twitter this week has has caused ripples across fan bases you know the pointing at the at the borough badge of course turning the piss out of kira trippier but then also the celtic one as well so borough admin do you deserve to be on the island dana or tom what do you think I think so. I mean, the first strike and then the second strike is quite something. So I'd say based on the fact that he's followed it up with another another little jab at another club, I would probably say, yeah. I don't know how we're going to put that on the graphic, but, but yeah. Just I take think a screenshot of the Twitter page. <laughs> yeah, or just the Borough yeah. badge. Yeah, you should, you should fit nicely there, maybe behind Willow Flood and that lager. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crease of that photo thought of the, the lager, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely creased. Very um, But yeah, I think he does uh, deserve to go on the island. So two tickets for you and your partner to go on the island. <laughs> um, there we go. So the last thing of the day then uh, was from Andrew Littlefair. It's more a question. It's more of a quote. He says, what a feeling at the minute. The change in feeling I have again for Pura in just a few weeks is amazing. What a job Wilder and his team are doing. Three not good, not so great performances, but three wins. Um, that's what it's all about. Nice to watch a game and have the feeling we can still win, even though we'll go down and aren't playing our best. Happy times. And that, I think, is just echoing everyone's thoughts um, of Boris' performances as of late. But that's it. His name is Matt Crooks, and teams just can't handle him. Oh, you know what? Let's do it one more time. Hey, hey. It's Matt Crooks, and they just can't handle him. It's Matt Crooks, he's six foot three, and we call him a tree. Yeah, he's ready. Crazy little thing, Coco.